welcome to Subject to Talent, brought to you by Allegis Global Solutions. Similar to you, we're always trying to learn more. On this podcast, we speak to workforce and talent experts from around the world, covering market trends, technology, and our ever-evolving dynamic industry. Hi, I'm Bruce Morton, the host of this Subject to Talent podcast. Today, I'm joined by a great friend of mine, Doug Levy, who's the CEO of Beeline a global SaaS technology company and solution provider for sourcing and managing the extended workforce. Doug has been named to the Staffing Industry Analyst Staffing 100 list, get this, every year since 2012. Wow. Uh, Doug, welcome. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Great to be with you. Good stuff. So um, let's dive straight in. We always ask our, our guests the same first question, okay. and that is, how did you get into the workforce industry? And what was your journey to get you where you are to today? Okay, fair enough. Um, certainly didn't have any designs to get into this industry, of course. Um, you know, especially from the technical side, the VMS side, as we used to call it, that that evolved 20 years ago. But I, I did actually get a master's in human resources, so I always had predilection towards people and consulting from that regard. But then I found myself, like my father, in consumer products and went through Pillsbury and ConAgra. And 10 years later, found myself looking to do something a little bit differently here in Jacksonville and had an opportunity to connect with the MPS group, um, which was later bought by ADECO. So you may not know that name, you might remember right. it. But at any rate, I was with the staffing division for a year, but that was 2001 when, when things weren't going so well on multiple levels economically. And then of course the tragedy of September. So my, my experience with staffing was basically shutting down offices uh, all that year, which wasn't very fun. Um, and then they, MPS group sold that division, it was called Scientific Staffing to K-Force. And um, I wanted to stay stay with the MPS group, so I was asked what I might want to do. And there's a little startup out at the beaches area called Beeline, which actually started as a marketplace, believe it or not. He may have been way ahead of his time, but then they pivoted to what we all understand to be VMS. And so for me, that was uh, 22 years ago last month. Wow, quite the, quite the journey. It has been, uh, thanks. Yeah. So obviously, so Beeline have been in the industry, say, for more than 20 years. Um, but in the past few years, you've truly established yourself as, as the world's first extended workforce platform. Um, as we all know, the the industry is now st finally starting to embrace that term, extended workforce. Yeah. But for our listeners, can you just expand on what that really means and what, what how is that changing from a technical perspective? Sure. So let me answer that in two ways. In terms of what it really means around the extended workforce or the external workforce or the variable workforce or you know whatever moniker we want to associate with it, it just basically in a nutshell means all that is not full time, right? So that's contractors, it's project work, it's independent contractors or gig consultants, BPO, whatever isn't fully employed by the organization should be um, in in the technology. And then to answer your question from a technology perspective, what's changed is. When, when you think about yourself as a platform and no longer just a point solution, you have a responsibility to all the constituents. And so, you know, right. and you and I know this, we've been doing this for years, but we we operate in an ecosystem. So we've probably focused, I, I shouldn't say too much, but in the early days, that's what you do on the client. But there's other important components and, and constituents, like I said. So our next area of focus was, was frankly, folks like yourselves, the MSPs to better enable the work, but we really haven't done much for the suppliers, whether that be staffing companies or others, nor have we done much for the talent. Um, and then there's a couple other plays as well, but for the most part, from a technology perspective, we've got an eye now, not just on the client, but also on the talent and then the supply group so that we can bring more value and make this ecosystem more efficient for all players. Right, and I, I wanna dig into that in, in a second and some of the recent acquisitions you've made, but sure. with this, 
expanded, extended workforce and the technology now to um, really get it, get organizations to get their arms around it. How is that culturally impacting the way organizations are thinking about the way they get work done now? It's a great question. And I think I still think we're in early days. And as, as you'll probably concur, the analysts and folks have been talking about the term I don't love, but total talent management for many, many years. Right. And, and you probably share some of my frustration in that we can talk about it all day long, but yet the industry at large has still been reticent to move in that direction. I think myriad reasons. But as you think about economic downturns or changes in technology or service offerings from people like yourselves, it starts to become easier and more prominent. And as you obviously recall, early days, I think it was really perceived as staff augmentation. Now it's really seen as strategic. And so right. the, the fact that the enterprise is actually looking at this category strategically, it clearly makes sense to pursue the approach that, that you and your colleagues bring to market, which is the unified workforce and start to look at kind of that Venn diagram and where the overlap is and 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 look more at skills versus, you know, how the government pays pays people specifically. Make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're certainly on that journey, as you say. And uh, I think it is, we're definitely seeing signs of expediting now. And I think, Agreed. you know, everything we've been through the last few years and the impending whatever's coming this year. Yeah. I think there is a, there's a window of opportunity now for organizations, not just to theorize and strategize, but actually get some, you know, really make some differences and, and start thinking differently about that work. And so don't you think, Bruce, sorry, yeah, just real quick, on, yeah, don't on. you also think that, that the talent shortage has maybe accelerated that as well, right? As organizations try to tackle some of these sourcing problems, I think that's also been impetus for them to look at internal and external talent side by side and realize, okay, we actually do have to look at talent holistically. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the the explosion of talent platforms now, if you think about the internal talent marketplace, I think 2023, we're going to hear a lot more about that. Agreed. Never mind going outside. What if, what talents have you already got within and are they all right. fully utilized? Um, so with the acquisitions that you've been making and um, mm -hmm. this position due to combine all these things we're talking about, and as well as obviously on a, a global landscape as well, can you share how a couple of those recent acquisitions and partnerships that you're in are, are impacting how you can now elevate the value that you bring to organizations? Absolutely. Um, thanks, Fred. I, I think if we're honest with, with ourselves, you know, the reality is, I'll, I'll use old term terminology, VMS, but we'll call it the Extended Workforce Platform um, right. in this modern day. But from a VMS perspective, there are gaps. You know, I mean, I think we've done a pretty good job, um, I compares to myself going globally with people like yourselves to handle a majority of the external workforce. But there's still pieces, in my opinion, that we weren't servicing very well. And one of those components or labor classes would be the, the, the shift, S-H-I-F-T, shift-based uh, talent, High, right. highly transactional, uh, really just about getting butts in seats. And, you know, a VMS can actually uh, kind of retard the progress uh, that the people on the line are looking for when you start to bring all this governance and, and, and workflow into place. And so I was looking at a build or buy strategy for many years on that, and there frankly um, wasn't much to buy. And from a build perspective, we knew we could do it. We understood what our clients were looking for, especially in the light industrial space, but we just had other priorities. Um, and so we got, I think, very fortunate and found this really neat little company from some great technologists who actually then went into the staffing world in the light industrial world and figured there was a better way. And they created this company out of the UK, joined up, which is really fit for purpose for highly transactional shift based work. So we we, we purchased them um, 
so that we could fill that gap and bring, I think, a much more credible, viable solution to our clients. So that that was one. And then, of course, the big news as of late was the acquisition of Utmost, which um, for me is really, really exciting on multiple fronts. I think many people may view that and think we are just trying to knock a competitor out. But as we got deep with the executives of that company, we realized, of course, there's some overlap. But there's actually a lot that wasn't overlap. And I guess dovetailing with your earlier questions around the unified workforce, one of the areas I got most excited about was uh, we just recently renamed it. So I'll, I'll refer to it with this current name, which is GWI, which is Global Workforce Intelligence. And they've been quite clever in creating, I'll just call it a module or a solution that can sit on top of an extended workforce platform or on top of a VMS and in, es in essence digest all that is not full-time, whether it's in your VMS or your AP system or, or any other platform. Um, and so I think that's something that is of immediate need to the market and helps us uh, from a global perspective, as, as you well know, you have pockets where it doesn't necessarily warrant full-on technology, full extended right. workforce management tool, yet you still want that visibility. Um, and in essence, it also provides the ability to digest the full-time information as well. So now we can actually look at both full-time and non-full-time in one place in a very easy and elegant solution. Um, and of course, there's other areas. I mean, I already talked about the ecosystem. They too, interestingly, were looking at the world in terms of client, talent, and supplier. And they did a fair amount of work on supplier and talent, which is on my roadmap. So I don't want to oversimplify it, but in essence, we can bolt that on now to the platform and and provide much more uh, robust global functionality to our clients and to the suppliers and the talent as well. Yeah, and has that got you into different conversations with, I won't say new, but additional stakeholders or C-suite players? I'm thinking that, you know, I used to use the analogy that, you know, if you went to your, you know, large organization, if you went to your head of real estate mm -hmm. and say, right, I want to come into my office tomorrow, bring me a report of all the real estate we've got. Do we own it? Are we leasing it? We're renting it. Yes. How long are we in, on, you know, on the hook for? What are we paying per square footage, utilization, everything? You'd get that report within a day. That's right. If you said the same question, yeah. <laughs> how are we getting work done? It'll take more than a day. Right? That's right. So, so I think that's the world you're moving towards and that uh, with the utmost platform, the GWI platform sitting on top of that, at the very least, you've got a starting point. Okay. Well, now we understand yeah, the who these point. people are, what skill set have they got, how are we paying them, how long are they going to hang right. around for, and so on and so forth. So, as you move um, further and further on that journey, are you seeing that there are, you're able to get the attention of folks outside our traditional stakeholders, which would be, you know, head of talent or procurement? Yeah, it's a great question because we we have seen some of that. It's still early days, but I, I think it's a harbinger of what's to come. And that is just this uh, kind of the magic button that you just talked about. Like, I don't care about any of the details. Just I want to hit this button and I want to get a roll up of all of my work and understand where it's being done, how it's being done, who's doing it, what I'm paying, et cetera, which, you know, has been elusive for many years, despite the fact that the technology has been there. Now you have to cobble certain things together and, right. and then you have behavioral issues, which is, in my opinion, where the MSP, where the AGS is the world come in and provide a lot of value because you can still provide a tool, but if somebody isn't digging up that data and mm. ensuring that it's ingested, then then you're still stuck with the same old problem. You just have more technology, but, but not the holistic view. So we've had some examples where folks in the C-suite have said, look, I'm going to leave the, the VMS or the extended workforce platform to, to procurement or IT or to the HR, as you mentioned, but I really have to get my arms around 
this total visibility from a global perspective on talent. And um, there's been a couple cases with GWI where we've been able to frankly just sell that to the C-suite. And then obviously we, we connect to, to the extended workforce platform. And what are some of the use cases when, and it's early days, but when an organization gets that visibility they've been asking for, and they have yeah. the magic button, yeah. then what, what do they do with it? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I think about, and I know you do as well, because we've talked about this, but first thing you have to do is understand what you have and and, and then classify it properly, right? So in, in essence, kind of cleanse the data. Then we start looking at skills and, and, and needs based on the outcomes that we want to deliver. And we can start, as I always say, fixing the mix, which is an old consumer products term, or right? But like, Let's not worry so much about, as I said earlier, how the government pays these people. Let's just figure out where the skills are. Maybe we can look at rate arbitrage into that equation and look at different models so that we can then start to test different um, labor strategies for these outcomes. Is that happening wholesale? I don't think so. But I will share a story with you, which I thought was kind of interesting that, that plays into this uh, global workforce intelligence. There's a, a, a client who already had a VMS, but they, they still didn't get the visibility they wanted. And we always suffer this rogue spend. Like we know that the VMS isn't capturing all that was in the external workforce, but this particular pharmaceutical organization installed uh, global workforce intelligence and, and they ingested the data from all different sources, including the VMS, which wasn't ours by the way. But, but here's what was fascinating to me. That out of the entirety of all the data, and they did capture it all, the VMS was only capturing one five, 15% of wow. that spend. Now, maybe that's an outlier, but but even if you're only capturing 60, 70, 80%, you're still not capturing the entirety of it. Um, and so I think that's step one. And then as I said, then there's step two, step three. So I don't think at large the enterprise is doing a lot with that data yet, but I think you have to have that as a foundational element to then start making smarter, better decisions. And I think we're on the precipice of that now. Right. And as you think about that, so if we if we separate staff or contractors and independent workers with the service providers, mm-hmm. is that visibility, are you able to give that at a individual level, regardless of whether they're working for a staffing company or they're working for, I don't know, Accenture? Are yeah. you looking at that level or is it just service providers doing this work and here's the individuals that? It It is at that level. And in fact, it's right. at least with Beeline, it's been at that level for many, many years. We always set up our service procurement module so that you could get down to the, the worker level. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. When we start to elevate that and think about the uh, global workforce intelligence solution and the ability to look at the um, entirety of the workforce, you can get as granular as the individual. Right. And obviously, it's, uh, you know, we've been working together for many, many years as um, colleagues, but also as organize, our organization we went together for probably 20 years, I guess. But correct. Um, you know, I think the where we're starting to really see the impact now is the data that we're collectively bringing to the party. Yes. Uh, and obviously through our, our, both of us, our relationships that we both have with Brightfield. Um, I think that, do you see that as the, the next part of the journey once you get visibility, then to be able to break down to that skill level? Absolutely. And, and you're keying in on something that I think is really important. And we've had a couple inflection points in our industry. I mean, 20 years ago, it was, it was the technology, right? And now we're seeing direct sourcing and some other interesting components around marketplaces. But for me, I think the game is, again, on the precipice of a major change, and that is it's all about data, right? So right. workflow is not that hard. Okay, you can have a pretty UX, et cetera, and you can 
kind of talk about AI and ML, which is obviously going to be important, but at the end of the day, it's all going to be predicated on data. So in my mind, the organizations that have massive data sets are going to be the winners because they'll be able to leverage that. And I look at this, and I think you do as well, because we've talked about this, is it's not a technology implementation. It's not an MSP implementation. It's a talent strategy. It's a talent transformation implementation. And that requires a service platform such as AGS. It requires a technology platform such as us and, and often um, calls for an intelligence platform like a Brightfield, which you just mentioned. And I think when you put those three together, then you got the potential for the magic to happen, not on day one, but day, you know, whatever. It could be a year, three years, five years, et cetera. But, but now we're actually progressing and moving with a real strategy versus just workflow and data capture. Right. Uh, and here we are in uh, January 2023. So I guess we should have a quick conversation around, do we think there's an impending recession? And if so, what would it look like and what would the impact yeah. be? Um, you know, we had our industry obviously had an incredible 2021. Nobody yeah. really predicted that, how For quickly sure. we came. And then 2022 was even better. But, you know, the signs are that, you know, depending on what press you read, that things are slowing down. That's right. We're seeing a lot of the big tech companies make these big layoffs and perhaps they overindulge and over, you know, overextended. Sure. But what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, I've, I've written about this before. If we want one, we'll get one. And I think people want one because there's a self-fulfilled prophecy happening. Now, I'm, I'm not naive enough to say that there aren't veritable factors that are going to contribute to this. And but, but I guess my point is when you read about what some of these big tech firms are doing, you get a little bit nervous and you don't want to be Johnny come lately. So it, it, it can have a bit of a um, self-fulfilling prophecy effect. Having said that, I do think something's coming. I think we're all starting to tighten the belt a little bit. We look at the data, as I'm sure you do as well, and the number of openings is down. It's still up, but it's down um, comparatively uh, month over month, right? Right. I actually think this is going to be super interesting time because, as you well know, eh, whatever the number is, 45, 50% of the labor force is now contingent. And I believe because it's become so strategic and not just seeing staff, I think we're going to see a different dynamic, whereas traditionally in 08 and 09 and prior to that in 01, you know, the organizations would cut the temps first. And you'll remember yep. that visually, yep. right? There's like 20% head cut in 2008. Um, I don't think that's going to happen to the same extent. I think, you know, there's going to be pressure from the CFO suite to reduce headcount. And I think what we'll see is a bit of a, as I said earlier, a mix shift where um, right or wrong, they're going to be full-time positions that will be eliminated. And yet we'll, they'll still make good use of the external workforce because of the variable model, which is so effective. And yet work still has to get done. Right. So, for example, there's some projects we're working on and in our private equity firms like, well, that's project based, you know, that we don't worry yep. about that as much. Go for that. And so I think we're going to see I don't think it'll be a severe economic downturn. I don't see massive changes in bill rates are coming down a little bit, but not massively. And I'm not seeing a massive pullback in demand. We're just seeing, you know, a, a, a little a slight pullback and that could get a little bit more. But I still think we're not going to be impacted the way that we have been previously. Right. And I think the organization to realize that the last thing you slow down on is any tech projects anyway, right? hundred um, percent, right. I think we've had a couple of examples in the transport industry <laughs> recently. Correct. They might have wanted to invest a bit more in tech, but um, yeah, I, I, and I wholeheartedly agree with you that I think that the organizations now are so reliant as a competitive advantage in some case yes. with their contingent workforce or their extended workforce that those aren't the people they're going to let go. It's, it's going to be a weird one if, if it does well, come. And you and I share 
one of the world's biggest tech companies and, and and they've been in the news with some of the things they're doing, but yet the programs that we're involved in, we, we haven't seen a big pullback. So right. I think that's an evidence, uh, a data point at least. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so as we uh, come to the end of our chat here, um, again, it's the same question we ask each time is looking beyond 2023, pick a, mm -hmm. pick a time in the future to suit, but the crystal ball question, um, how, do you, how do you see our industry changing over the next three to five or whatever years? I, I do laugh when, when we talk about three to five because I always lament. I, I do think we operate in a great, fun, amazing industry. And yet one of my greatest lamentations is I think we move too slowly. Um, and it just is what it is. I mean, we are dealing with very large, complex organizations with lots of priorities. However, you and I have been offering some really neat stuff for years and years that still are not necessarily being um, exploited in the way that I think could be. So I'm going to probably reserve my right not to talk about the time frame so much because I'm sure I'll nice. be wrong about that. But but from a trend perspective, um, there's a lot of areas we can talk about. I, direct sourcing to me is just a subcomponent of omni-channel sourcing. I think it's right. maybe first step, but I think, you know, what we're learning is that at the end of the day, the clients want an opportunity to go find talent wherever, however, um, and maybe not just the traditional model. I think the traditional model is very important and won't go away, um, but I don't think you're going to find organizations perhaps just have one direct sourcing approach. I think we'll find, much like staffing, there are niche providers, whether they're great at skills or geography centric or cost model based, there's gonna be different approaches and the technology and the edges of the world are gonna to have to ensure that they sit atop that and provide as much access to different sources of, of talent as, as possible. And I think better matching and data insights will, will help tremendously. I think um, that's great because clients will get, quote unquote, the right talent faster um, I think it'll be less about price and more about how do I align those skill sets with the desired outcomes that I'm looking at. I think, you know, going back to my comments on the ecosystem, we're going to continue to see more solutions and more focus on the talent themselves. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, with the economic downturn coming, the power's gone back to the enterprise. I don't really think that's true, certainly not in IT. Um, and I don't necessarily think it should be an issue of, of, of power. So we have to be careful about that. But blockchain or not, I still think we're going to see some pretty cool advances um, with portability, whether that's CVs and profiles or, or background checks, um, or just giving the talent themselves more visibility to some of the jobs that are open out there. I think we're on the on the precipice of some, some big changes there, which I think is exciting. And then I guess I would conclude with, you know, remote's not going away. I've got this big, beautiful office I opened up uh, three weeks after COVID and it doesn't matter how many lunches I buy or what I do. They're like, if the executives show up, the others show up. I'm here every day and I'm, I'm very lonely. So remote is, um, it, it's, it's here to stay. And I think that's also going to be a major trend that the technology and the service providers are going to leverage from an omni-sourcing approach. Right. Great. Well, thank you so much for that insight. Doug, as always, a great pleasure with, in chatting with you. Likewise. Um, if people want to know more about all the exciting things happening at Beeline, where should they go? Uh, they should go to Autumn, my COO, who actually runs this place, or my website. So, <laughs> I thought you'd have a funny answer for that one. Well, Doug, really, really appreciate it. We'll speak again soon. Okay, my friend. Be well. Happy New Cheers. Year. Thanks. Bye-bye. To learn more about AGS, please check us out at AllegisGlobalSolutions.com. You can also send questions for me or our guests. Just tweet us here at Allegis Global with the hashtag subject to talent or email us at subject to talent at leadersglobalsolutions.com. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>